God is so good. So this morning I want to talk about worshiping in the fire. Worshiping in the fire. Now, I, 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 think, I think I need your prayers. You know I don't say that all the time. <sighs> but for some reason, I just feel like I need your prayers. I feel like I need, I need to draw on something this morning. And I need to draw on you. Does that make sense? Some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. But some of you get exactly what I'm talking about. Because, you know, anytime you start pulling mountains down, um, the enemy really doesn't like that. Now, I'm going to explain something to you about worship. Worship is not just worship. There's different kinds of worship. And, and by that I mean depending on your circumstances, depending on what you're going through, your worship is probably going to look differently. Come on, church. When you first get saved, worship is worship. It may be a blessing to you. It's something you do on Sundays. You're starting to figure it out. For some people, they've been saved 20 years, and that's as far as they've gotten. Just worship is just Sunday morning service. They've never really learned hmm, the different kinds of worship, and they never really learned how to worship depending on what they're going through. So they're just kind of lost. And a lot of these people, they... They just feel they just say things like, you know, I can't find God. And I know there are times when we, we have a hard time. Uh, but, but, but sometimes it's because you don't know how to worship. Because it's a different kind of worship depending on what you're going through. So, again, three different levels. I think there are people that have simply learned how to worship. They know how to sing songs. They know how to say, thank you, Jesus. When we tell them to raise their hands, they raise one. I solemnly swear, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth. Some people have learned how to carry watermelon. So they just worship, and that's okay. That's, I mean, it's... It's not like that's bad or wrong or anything like that. But I'm telling you, there's, there's another, kind of, another kind of worship. There's, listen, some people have learned how to worship when things are going really well. Number two. Because, and really, a lot of people have not learned how to do that. They've not really learned how to rise to that and be thankful for that. And to really give God praise for that. They don't know how to walk on top of the mountaintop when things are going well. It's amazing how quickly people forget God when things are going well. When things are going okay. And they don't remember him again until the bottom falls out. Then it's, oh God, where have you been? And God's like, where have you been? Where have you been? You say, now, let's go to the, let's go to the scriptures and, 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 and let's, let's talk about it. First of all, let's go, back, let's go back to the first one. I forgot a scripture. Y'all aren't praying hard enough. I'm already messed up. So, so, it's David's fault. Anyway, amen. Psalms 122, I like this because this is the one that just talks about uh, that first group of people and, and, and learning how to enjoy just, just worshiping uh, God when everything, you know, things aren't great, things aren't bad. I'm just coming to church. But I like what David said. He said, I was what? Overjoyed when they said, let's go up to the house of the Lord. I, I was happy. I, I'm glad to go to church. Some Christians haven't figured that out yet. Those Christians, I don't want to worship with them. Well, they probably don't want to worship with you either, grouch. And now at last we stand here 
inside the very gates of Jerusalem. Let's fly through this. Oh, Jerusalem, you were built as a city of praise where God and man mingled together. When I say Jerusalem, let's think church. This is where all the tribes of Yahweh uh, are required to come and worship him. Amen. This is where the thrones of kings have been established to rule in righteousness. Even King David ruled from here. Pray and seek for Jerusalem's peace, for all who love her will prosper. Can I get an amen? Come on. Verse, uh, O Jerusalem, there, there, may there be peace for those who dwell inside your walls and prosperity in your every palace. How many know y'all are palaces? I intercede for the sake of my family and friends who dwell there, that they may all live in peace. And verse 9, for the sake of your house, Yahweh our God, I will seek the welfare and prosperity of Jerusalem. So that's just, that's just people who love to come to church and we worship God and we go home and we're fine. How many remember the story of the ten lepers? Luke 17, how many would be happy if you had leprosy and were healed? How many were happy if you had a migraine and you were healed? How many would be happy if you had the sniffles and were healed? Can I throw COVID in there? Glory to God. So Jesus traveled on toward Jerusalem and passed through the border region between Samaria and, 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 and Galilee. Mm-hmm. As he entered one village, ten men approached him, but they kept their distance because they had COVID, because they were lepers. You know what's really funny is in Jewish law, they actually had, uh, you know, you had to keep your distance if you were, if you had something wrong with you, right? Guess, guess what the distance was? Six feet. I don't know what that means, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. So, so these ten lepers, they shouted to him, Mighty Lord, our wonderful master. And then we know how to praise God when we need something. Won't you have mercy on us and heal us? Glory to God. When Jesus stopped to look at them, he spoke these words. Go to be examined by the Jewish priest. So off they go, and they were healed while walking along the way. Hold it right there. Now, y'all got to understand leprosy. Okay? Leprosy actually is something a disease that grows under your skin. And it finally begins to manifest out in your limbs, in your fingers, in your nose, your ears, that kind of thing. And it begins to manifest, and it, kind of, it eats you from the inside out. A lot of people got stuff that's eating them from the inside out. That's why leprosy is the perfect example or metaphor for sin. So it, it eats from the inside out. And, uh, you know, one day your nose just might fall off. Your fingers start, you know, limbs can fall off. Leprosy is horrible. And people know you got it. Come on. I mean, they see you coming. You know, you got fingers dropping off. And you go, yeah. Leprosy. So they had to keep their distance. It was highly contagious. So it was good that they kept their distance. So here they come, and but the Bible says as they went, fingers began to grow back. A nose. Oh, my God, my ear's back. Come on, church. Toes grew back. They, they began, maybe they couldn't walk. Somebody's carrying them. Legs began to grow. Can you imagine just watching the miracle, even if you weren't the person? Can you imagine what? He said, as, it didn't happen instantly. He said, as they were walking, everything began to grow back. And everything that was, that was boiling under the skin and trying to come through, all of that was pushed back and pushed out. And they were completely healed. Come out and praise God. This, this is mind-blowing. Verse 15. One of them, say one of them. How many were there? One 
a foreigner. I'm assuming the other nine were good Jewish boys. Churchgoers. Uh, well, they weren't allowed in church, but you understand what I mean. They were, they were just good Jewish guys, and then you got this Samaritan hanging out. You know, it's like some of my best friends are Samaritans, you know, that kind of thing. So they're hanging out, and they're all being healed. One of them is a foreigner who doesn't understand Jewish ways. He's not a Jew. You know, Jesus came for the Jews. So uh, when he discovered that he was completely healed, turned back to find Jesus, shouting out joyous praises. He didn't just say, hey, dude, thanks for the healing. Slap me five, high five down low. No, he's shouting joyful praises. You go to some of these churches and they read the scriptures, be happy and joyful in the Lord. Oh, my God. You don't just say it. You gotta, it it's got to be real. Come on. If someone is joyful, something's happening. They're not standing still. Come on. There's a smile on their face. There's a skip in their heel, in their, in their walk, in their whatever. There, there's. Y'all aren't praying. Y'all are not praying. Woo, I got one. I got one praying. Listen. Joyful shouts. Glorifying God. This unbeliever. Come on, church. Why is it sometimes that it's the non-church people that get it before the church people? Why do sometimes those that have been saved 20, 30 years are not joyful anymore and don't get it when God does something great? Why is it we've taken for granted the blessings of God? Let me put it this way. Why have we not learned how to worship God when something wonderful is happening in our lives? This man was a Samaritan. My God. Next verse says nothing. Next verse doesn't matter what the next verse says. I had 18, 19 there, but uh, anyway, you get the gist of the story. He comes back, so where are they? Ah. So, uh, did I miss something? 17? You're so fired, Kevin. I think. So, Jesus says, you know, Jesus points it out. Where are the other nine? I, I wonder if he ever, Jesus ever just sits on the throne and says, Really? Where would you be without me? Come on, church. You don't seem very excited about what God just did. If you just knew the things he did that you didn't know about, you'd be excited. <laughs> In heaven, you'll figure it all out. You'll be, you'll be dancing up there. Where are the other nine? Weren't there ten who were healed? Jesus knew exactly how many because the Bible says he went out of his way to get there. He didn't have to go that way. Jesus knew the ten were there. Jesus knows what you're going through before you ever get it, before it ever happens to you. Amen. He's already plotted. Listen, listen, listen. Jesus has already plotted a course towards your blessing as I speak. Amen. He knows what you'll face tomorrow, and he's on his way. Glory to God. Where are the other nine? I know there were.
They all refused. Isn't that interesting? They didn't forget. They refused. They made a choice. I got my way. Things are better now. They all refused to return to give thanks and give glory to God, except you, a foreigner from Samaria, you, that, that outcast, that drug addict, that prostitute, that failure in life. Come on, church. Whatever kind of label people are putting on you, I'm here to tell you God doesn't care about the label on your, on your head. He doesn't care what other people think. He doesn't care about their opinions. They don't, he doesn't care about any of that. He doesn't care you're a Samaritan. He doesn't care you're an outsider. He doesn't care you don't seem to fit in. I'm here to tell you he went out of his way to find you. Yes, he did. And he did. And he found you. And it's those kind of people that make the best Christians. Woo, glory to God. <laughs> About to break my mic. Jesus said to the healed man lying at his feet. Fingers grew back, nose grew back, legs grew back. He's walking, he's shouting, he's praising. He gets to Jesus, he falls at his feet because he has learned how to worship when things are going well. It was your faith, arise and go. It was your faith that brought you salvation and healing. It was your faith. And we know the rest of the story, right? Jesus forgave him all his sins. Did you know you can be healed and not saved? Did you know you can be blessed and on your way to hell? Because you're not thankful, because you won't give God glory. God blesses a lot of people. Blessings can come on. Listen, God can bless your car. Doesn't mean it's saved. God can bless your hound dog. It don't mean he's barking his way to heaven. Blessings are blessings. Salvation something else. So now he's not just physically whole. He's spiritually. This outsider is in the family of God. I don't know if the rest of the church accepted him. I don't know about that one. Uh, uh. I don't know what other people thought, but in Jesus' mind, this outsider Samaritan, this idol worshiper, this Samaritan is now a child of God, a member of the family of God, not just healed. You'll see him. You'll meet him in heaven not so much the other nine. Come on, church. Wow. Number three. Some people know how to worship when life's normal. Some people have learned how to worship when life's good. By the way, there are way too many poinsettias up here. <laughs> It is a miracle they have survived the message this long. Jesus. I feel, I feel like that guy on that, on that what was that old show when he'd, he'd be behind the bushes? Very interesting. <laughs> Laughing. This is what happens when only one person prays for you. Pray harder, one person. Pray harder. So some people know how to praise and worship when things are normal, and some people have even learned how to really worship God when things are going good. But how many people get to that third level 
How many can worship when things are going really badly? How many have learned to still be thankful, to still give him glory, to still love on him and say God is good when you're having a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year and a half, and can still say God is good good when it doesn't make sense to say God is good, yet you know God is good. Because it's really not about what you're going through. It's, it's about who you're going through it with that, that makes him so good. Jesus. So last week we were in Daniel. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 3. You, you probably know where I'm going. King Nebuchadnezzar built this gold statue 90 feet high, 9 feet thick. He set it up on the Dura Plain in the province of Babylon. He ordered all the important leaders in the province, everyone who was anybody, to the dedication ceremony of the statue. They all came for the dedication, all the important people, and took their places before the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had erected. Big day, big day, big day, big day. How many know the world wants us to come worship at their altar? A herald then proclaimed in a loud voice, Attention, everyone! Every race, color, creed, listen. When you hear the band, oh, it's all about the band. When you hear the band, strike up all the trumpets and trombones, the tubas, the baritones, the drums, the cymbals, fall to your knees and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Anyone who does not kneel and worship will be canceled. Shall be thrown immediately into a roaring furnace. I mean, all you got to do is, <laughs> help us, Jesus. All you got, you know, I can get forgiveness. The band started to play, a huge band, Right? Every race, color, and creed fell to their knees. This was the largest, most powerful empire on the planet. Hello, USA. And worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Mm -hmm. For some reason, Daniel is high enough in the authority that Daniel didn't have to be there that day. I don't know why, you know, whatever. Daniel's on business with the king or something. But his three friends were there. Sometimes it pays to be absent. (laughs) Just then some Babylonian fortune tellers stepped up and accused the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You gave strict orders, O king, that when the big band started playing, everyone had to fall to their knees. Yeah, right. And worship the gold statue. And whoever did not go to their knees and worship it had to be, it had, they had to be pitched into a roaring furnace. Well, there are some Jews here. Apparently, most Jews bent their knee. Three did not. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have placed in high positions. They did that because they were jealous. In the province of Babylon, these men are ignoring you, O king. Don't ignore the people who are trying to tell us how to act and how to talk and how to behave. These men are ignoring you, O king. They don't respect your gods, and they won't worship the gold statue you set up. Wow. Furious. The king ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought in. When the men were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar asked, Is it true? You don't respect my gods. You refuse. I'm giving you a second chance. But from now on, when the big band strikes up, you must go to your knees and worship the statue. You know, you've you got a second chance here. If you don't worship it, you will be pitched into a roaring furnace. No questions asked. Who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Yeah. 
I don't know if they were smiling or shaking, but here's what they said. Nebuchadnezzar, your threat means nothing to us. World, who are you, Great Mountain? Who are you, Great Mountain? Who are you? Your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up, okay? But if he doesn't, oh, here it is. Here it is, church. Because sometimes we have a lot of faith that God's going, God would never, you know, precious little me. God would never allow me. God would never uh, put me in a position where I'd lose my job. God would never put me in a position where people wouldn't like me at work. Come on, church. God would never put me in a situation where, where the rest of the family just blackballed me. Come on. That's where I was for years. The first Catholic in 500 years to leave the church. I'm what was called the black sheep. Your threat means nothing to us if you throw us in the fire. God can rescue us. But even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. We know he can. Don't care if he doesn't. I know he can, but I'm okay. I, I, I know he can. I just don't know his will. I know he can, but I can get through this. I know he can, but God's still good if he doesn't. I know he can, but if he doesn't, I know how to worship if he doesn't. We still won't serve your God. If I'm right at the mouth of the door of the furnace, I am not bending a knee. My decision's made regardless of the consequences. We won't serve your gods. We won't worship your stupid gold statue. Come on. Another verse. No more verses. You know what happened, right? They didn't bow. The king didn't want to do it, but his law was there. He got tricked into that law. They opened, they fire that thing up seven times. I don't even know what that means. And they, as the guards opened the door, they catch fire. That's hot. They open the door and they're screaming, they're running, they're on fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it wasn't because they thought they were going to be. It's because their life is the Lord's, and they're good with whatever happens, because what happens down here doesn't matter The guards are, so I don't know who put them in. They said, next, I ain't going near that door. (laughs) Get in there. I don't know what they did, but the three of them walk in and someone shut the door. And apparently they can look down. And the Bible says they looked into the fiery pit.
Can I get Shadrach, Meshach, and which one do you want to be? Come here. Oh, you want to be Meshach? You don't care? I need one more. Abednego, come here. He looks like an Abednego. I don't even know what that means. Me either. So the three of them walk in the fire. Now, the Bible says they weren't, they weren't burned up. They weren't singed. There was not even the smell of smoke on them. How could, how could that be? Now, I'm a science fiction guy. So the only thing I can figure is, as they walked into the furnace, come on, Star Trek. Force field. Some of you know don't have a clue what I'm talking about. I believe as they walked in, Jesus put a force field around. For those who don't like science fiction, a bubble. You all understand bubbles. He put a bubble around them. And the four of them. There's a party going on. What's the matter? Some people don't know how to party. <laughs> and they looked down and they said, how many did you throw in there? But there's a, f and he looks like, I don't know how long they were in there. Didn't matter. How many believe they didn't even feel heat? It was not just a bubble. It was climate controlled. Shadrach said, put it at 68. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I, I, I believe old Abednego came in with a sandwich, and he's like. Because that's, that's how Abednego does it. That's how he does it. He comes in with a Hello? Hello? All right, you can sit down. Get out of the fire. Amen. Woo! Not even the smell. So three things real quick. Number one, you have to be willing to go in regardless of whether or not you're coming out. You have to go in with a praise, not knowing the outcome, but willing to go, willing to magnify God, even as you're going into the problem, not knowing if you'll ever come out of this problem. How many know there's been seasons last year and a half where it's just one thing after another after another, sickness, death, hospitalizations, isolation, all kinds of problems. Your, your kids are behind in school. They're testing them now. They're a year, two years behind. They, you know, there's all kinds of consequences. Uh, just one thing on top of another after another after another. But you go in saying, I don't know where this tunnel's leading, but I'm going. Whether I come out or not, I'm going in. Number two. The next one. No. But this is good. How many remember the story from Hebrews? Right? What could I say to convince you? There's not enough time to tell you. Remember, remember Hebrews 11? All the list, Abraham, Moses, Joseph, all the great conquerors. There's not enough time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, all the prophets. 
through faith's power, they conquered kingdoms, established true justice. Their faith fastened under their promises and pulled them into reality. It was faith that shut the mouths of lions. But out, put out the power of raging fire, caused many to escape certain death by the sword. Although weak, their faith imparted power to, to make them strong. Faith sparked courage within them, and they became mighty warriors in battle, pulling armies from another realm into battle array. Faith-filled women saw their dead children raised in resurrection power. Yet... King James says, and others, that enabled others to endure great atrocities. They were stretched out on the wheel and tortured, didn't deny their faith in order to be freed because they longed for a more honorable and glorious resurrection. Oh, come on, church. Others were mocked and experienced the most severe beatings. Come on, where's your shout now? They were in chains and imprisoned. Some of them, uh, some of these faith champions were brutally killed by stoning, sawn in two, slaughtered by the sword. They lived in faith as they went about wearing goatskins and sheepskins for clothing. They lost everything they possessed. They endured great afflictions, and they were cruelly mistreated. Come on, church. They wandered the earth, living in the desert, wilderness, and caves, barren mountains, holes in the earth. Truly, the world was not even worthy of them. We get to heaven, we're going to see saints being honored that we never knew existed. Next verse. These were the true heroes, commended for their faith, yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised them. Wow, one more verse. But now, say, but now, God has invited us to live in something better than what they had faith, the, the, than what they had, faith's fullness. This is so that they could be brought to finish perfection alongside of us. Here it is. A lot of people got delivered. A lot of people didn't. The Bible says some of them chose it to obtain a better resurrection. Wow. So... I'm going to worship God even if I don't know I'm coming out. Mm. So number two, the promise is not that we will always escape, but that he will always be with us. What if the bubble hadn't occurred, but they felt his presence? I'm reminded of Stephen as the stones were hitting him in the head. He looked up and saw Jesus coming off the throne. Can you imagine? The stones are hitting. His focus wasn't on the stone. His focus was on Jesus who is seated at the right hand, seated at the right hand of the Father. But But as Stephen was about to expire, he gets up off the throne. The promise is not that you will always escape, but that he will always be with us. And that's the source of your praise. That's the source of your worship, that he's never left you, never forsook you. He's there always in the sickbed, in the hospital room, at the graveside. He'll never leave you. That's the source. Watch this and I'll close. Notice that the fourth man didn't come out. He's still in the fire. So when you go in the fire, he's already I don't care what fire you go through, he's already in the 
fire. Psalms 139 talks about this. I love this. We quote bits and pieces of it, but let's read a couple verses. Have you got, have you got a minute? Listen to this word. Listen, David's praying here. He said, you've, God, you've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, hell, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me, for your presence is everywhere bringing light into my night. I don't need to preach. Just read the scriptures. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. God doesn't care what you're going through. If his presence is there, it's all the same to him. He's fine. He's going to get you through. He's not bothered by it. He doesn't chew his fingernails. He doesn't get nervous on the throne. I need to pray more. They did what? He's where? No. No. Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. You're in God's thought every minute of the day. If that doesn't blow your mind. Oh. God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, <laughs> this is a stupid thing, but I remember when I first got saved, I had to live on, but someone said the other day, I love your Navy stories. Well, here's one. <laughs> I had to live on board ship. And, you know, people cuss like a sailor. Hello. It was there. I mean, you're surrounded by it when you work. You, you got no escape from it. It's there, there. And Friday night and Saturday night were horrible. Not, not the early night, because I was the only one on board. <laughs> so I'd go to bed at my usual time, and about three in the morning, here they come. And they never really did me any serious harm, but you would never know what they would do. I woke up in the morning tied to my rack. <laughs> I woke up in the morning and things missing from me, you know. And I, I mean, and, and, and I was just saved. I was newly saved. And I, I told, I'm a Christian. And a lot of people on board, oh, I'm a Christian. Well, that didn't last long. Because they, they, people would deliberately aggravate them just to see if they would break. And once they got angry, then they, well, they're not a Christian. And as long as they can write you off, then they're safe. But I stood my ground. <laughs> so all these weird things. I remember waking up and through it. My rack was like head high. It was like the third rack. About head high. I remember waking up one morning and there were three drunk faces staring at me. Yeah, the three monkeys is what it was. Early in my, this might not mean anything to you, but I'll never, how many have moments in your early years when that was a key moment? God just used something great to really get you through some stuff. And I was a real young Christian, just weeks into this thing. And I remember, I remember waking up in the middle of the night and I felt his presence immediately. I didn't seek the Lord. I just woke up and, whoa, whoa. And God spoke to me and said, even when you're asleep, I'm here. Yeah. Ah, maybe that doesn't mean anything to you, but in that moment, man, I slept like a baby the rest of my time on board ship. Amen. 
And now I sleep with Gloria, and I still need those reassurances. I, I, I just had to go there. Just love you, love you. And tonight, pray saints, pray saints. I, I just said that to make you laugh. Listen, listen, I, I was never more comforted in all my life to know. It didn't matter if I was awake watching or sound asleep and, and had no idea what other people were trying to do to me. I thank my God that even when I'm asleep, he's awake. Even when I'm not aware of the threat, he knows the threat. Even though I don't know where it's coming from or when it's coming, he knows. He knew ahead of time, amen. He, he, he sought those ten lepers out before they were ever healed and God knows what you're going to go through. Amen. He's awake when you're asleep. He's still in the fire. Say, he's still in the fire. Musicians, come on. Let's stand. Let's, let's worship the Lord. Oh, my God. Thank you, Lord. 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 I, I, I don't know what the percentage is. You have to answer this question yourself. But I wonder how many today have learned how to worship in the fire. You can still worship. Not, not pray, oh, God, give me your I'm not talking about intercessory prayer. I'm talking about worship. I believe since they wouldn't worship that, that they worshiped God. As they went in the fire. I believe they went in uttering Jehovah's name. I believe they uttered all the names of God. <laughs> Come on. My healer, my banner, my provider. My God, they just began to name all the names of God. And as they, walk, as they watched the guards catch fire and they walked past their burning bodies and they couldn't feel any heat and they couldn't smell any smoke, they just kept walking in the fire and they were just as amazed as anyone else, I guess. They didn't know if God would or God wouldn't, but God did. Hallelujah. And they were worshiping in the fire. And church, if you can be thankful to God, even in your worst situation, in the darkest night, in the most painful moments, I don't know how much experience you've had with this. Obviously, I've had a lot of experience just being at people's deathbeds. And there's such a difference between those who know him and those who do. And to watch them go, how, how many times, just recently, you know, the, the, the funeral for Gene, Gene Seymour passed away, 50-year member of this church, 50 years. She was here before I was here. She went home to be with the Lord. Uh, viewings Wednesday, Thursday is the funeral. But it's like she knew. And I don't know how many times I've, I've noticed this, that when someone's a saint, they just seem to know. And they may say something about it, or they may not, but they're going through fire. And everyone else is falling apart, but they're like, don't, don't worry about me. We lost Jack Hill last week, and he knew. Tears in his eyes, he simply said, I'm so glad I'm going home. And they said, you are home. He said, no. I'm so glad I'm going home. It takes the sting of death out. And we're able to worship in a furnace. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know how I'm going to get out. I don't know if I'll get out. I, I don't know what, what, this is, what this is, Lord, but you're here. Sometimes the devil lies, but he's there. He's always there. And that's what it's all about. 
That's what it's. Listen, church, this morning, I don't know if one will come or a hundred will come. Don't matter to me. But you listen to what I'm saying. I feel it in my spirit just as clear that we're going to uproot mountains. Can you imagine a huge tree just plucked out by the roots? You know why big trees fall? Because there's been a lot of rain. And the ground is soft. And the wind comes. Is anyone getting the metaphor? And the wind comes. And the huge trees just topple over. Well, it's been raining here. The ground is wet. The wind's been blowing. And I'm here to prophesy in Jesus' name that some mountains are coming up. He said, speak to the mountain. What does that mean? Speak to the authority that's trying to take charge of your health, your finances, your family, your emotional state. Whatever it is, speak to that mountain. Who are you? Get up and get out of my way. And it'll be plucked and cast into the sea. Never to be seen again. Let it sink. My God is in this place. If you got a mountain that needs removing... you got a molehill that needs to be removed, why not give it to God? Did you hear what I said? Why not? Give it to God. This is why I needed your prayers. Mountains are places of authority. There's power there, but greater is he that is in me than he. Mount Zion is a mountain. Jerusalem is on a mountain. When we worship, the Bible says we go up to Jerusalem. God's got mountains too. And there's one living in you. Get out of your seat right now. If it's one, if it's a hundred, just get down here and say, Pastor, there's a mountain in my home, in my family, in my money, in my body, whatever it is, there's a mountain that I want God to pluck up. And, 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 and by faith, removed in Jesus' name. If that's you, hurry up. Come on, come on, come on.